Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Wow, Matt, fellow adventurers. We are back with Sir Crokington, and it is time to get the west of that iron skull. Then... Return it to Huron, where presumably he'll put it in a very, very secure location. Presumably behind all the sorts of magical wards that only the Archmage Huron could understand. And the Grey Mage. Of course. But no one else but those two could get it. And maybe me. But I've no need to get it. Because I've already done whatever it is it does never would you have dreamed okay here's the adventure the shattered skull part five the ghosts of palemore island never would you have dreamed of setting foot on the forsaken ground of palemore isle but a note delivered to you in twithic has suddenly changed your mind start the adventure here we go for the past several days, ever since acquiring the second shard of the Iron Skull from the Watchtower, you've been unable to shake the eerie suspicion you're being followed and watched. More than once, you looked over your shoulder at one of the city's bustling streets, only to see what you believe to be a lurking figure slip into the crowd and vanish. Your thoughts continually returned to the encounter in Blade Square with the waven-haired sorceress the necromancer, and you can't seem to escape the nagging fear that her dark eyes are always peering at you from the shadows, watching and waiting. Well, they probably are. That all. A necromancer? Mm-hmm. That all someone dead under her command? I mean... I mean, if she, I mean, an undead human, yeah, that would be immediately obvious, but some undead rats? Who would notice those in Twithic? Or maybe undead bats? Or undead cats? And things that don't rhyme with that. <laughs> you're beginning to think that perhaps you're being paranoid, but your fears are largely substantiated when late one afternoon, you are approached on the street by a young messenger, bearing a filled scrap of parchment. The boy hands you a note, and it's about to dash off when you grab him with the arm and ask him who sent it. The nerd tells you it was an old white-haired man. You ask him where the man could be found, and he replies that the man came up to him just inside the city gates. You thank him for the information and flip him a gold token. And that's... that is spent. The door snatches up the gold, bows deeply, and then turns and dashes off along the crowded street. Making certain you're not being observed, although you, you never can be certain. And I'm certainly being observed by the Archmage, you're on. I mean, no, no, if he wants to look at what you're doing, there's nothing you can do to stop it. <laughs> 
You unfurl the walled strap of parchment. Your eyes are immediately drawn to the one word scrawled in fanciful script upon its wrinkled, ale, age-worn surface. Pale more. The single word conjures up a myriad of thoughts as you recount the many tales that surround the legendary and forsaken Palemore Island, which has its own law book entry, which I shall read now. It's a big one. Palemore Island. Palemore is one of the largest and easily most famous of the scattered steppe islands that rise out of the middle of one of the widest parts of the Withered Wind, be found just south of Twithick. Over 300 years ago, the Wocky Isle was home to a small wooden keep that housed a large enough company of Titian soldiers to discourage river pirates from plying their trade against the merchant vessels leaving Trithic. Oh, that would come in handy. Uh, considering there apparently are river pirates running around, well, there was until I got them. In a warm autumn evening three centuries ago, however, a horde of ogres on crudely built barges of rough timber Trans- transversed the wither from its western bank and landed on Palemore. The brave soldiers, both outnumbered and outmatched by their savage foes, were all, save for one, slain defending the wooden keep that the ogre soon raised to the ground. Throughout matched and ultimately defeated, the soldiers pitched a valiant stand and managed to take down many of the beastly enemies in a battle that is said to have raged for hours. By dawn's light, every last soldier, save one, was dead. The keep was destroyed, and there was no sign of the ogres or their barges. It is from the lone, lone survival attack, a young soldier who escaped death by being rendered unconscious and left for dead, the history now bears an accurate account of the events that took place place on, on Palemore Island on that warm autumn evening so very long ago. Flongbid assumes that many, by many, the one or more ruthless river pirates, a murderous brigand, one of the one of the more ruthless with the pirates, a murderous big brigand by the name of Eeyore Carver, was behind the ogre attack, having paid a considerable fortune to the fearsome beast to ensure that the soldiery of Pelmore Island would no longer interfere with its operation in the waters south of Twithick. Eokaba and nearly two dozen other with a pirate captain were captured and hanged following the attack on Palemore Island, who not ever admitted to being in league with the Ogres, but well, well. Well, you still hanged pirates, so still a win. Palemore Island, out of respect for those who have fallen there, was declared to be forsaken land, where no one would, would be permitted to tread ever since the fateful events of that evening, long ago. All with the traffic moving south and to a thick has, respectfully, 
and even fearfully, given the rocky step island of Palemore a wide berth. Yeah, there you are. We have history. Despite the eerie nature of the note, you feel a sense of relief. As if the danger that you are suspected of stalking you through the shadows of Trithic these past few days has at last stepped into the light. You have little doubt that the necromancer you encountered in Blade Square, who now possesses the last remaining shard of the skull, is the author of the summons you now hold in your hands. A summons you have every intention of answering, even though it seems it will take you to the very shores the cursed island of Palemore. Yeah. With your every thought now bent on retrieving the final piece of the iron skull, you quickly make the necessary preparations for a trek to the forsaken island. While you realise you would like to be walking to grave peril, you have no intention of allowing a chance to put an, put an end to this dark business to slip away. As you turn over these thoughts in your mind, you decide to set out at dawn tomorrow for the village of Boar Cove. The village is situated just upstream from the Step Islands, and you hope you will be able to obtain passage to your destination. Despite your eagerness to travel to Palemore and embark on what could be the final chapter of your mission, you're not certain it is wise to carrying with you the two shards of the skull now in your possession. Suddenly, a thought occurs to you. You wonder if perhaps Thane Poland would agree to place, to place the iron skull in safekeeping for you while you turn to Palemore. You also realise you could attempt to hide the skull somewhere in the city. Now, normally, I would just, I would just pass the skull to Thane Poland because he's my best friend, and he just happens to have a castle. Which is a very handy place to put things. And an army. Which is a very handy thing to put in front of things you want to keep safe. Yes. But. The previous. Mm, seven. Yeah it must be seven. Seven times I played this adventure. I always hid the skull. What the first time it was just in the city, the rest of the time it was with Thane Pollard. So I want to see what happens if you keep the skull with you. Even though both for a practical point and mechanical advantage point and pretty much any reason other than morbid curiosity, you shouldn't keep it with you. But I am morbidly curious. So I'll decide to keep it with me. It's not a smart thing to do. It is not will not give me any mechanical advantage. It will lessen the rewards I get. But I want to see what happens. So after seeing what happens, I will quit without saving. And then do it the proper way. Decide to keep it with you. Wait, wait. Click. Click. What's your problem here? Hmm. Uh, just gonna pause for a bit. Although you 
realise that taking the skull with you to what will likely prove to be a perilous rendezvous. On Palmar Line, it is not without great risk. You feel it is still far safer than letting the item out of your sight. With this thought in mind, you set out at once from Trithic, eager to reach Palmar Island and bring about the end of this treacherous business. Only a few miles south of Trithic, you arrive at the small village of Borcove, which is located just up river from the scattering of step islands in the midst of which lies Palemore Isle. Now how they put another they should put another a fortress on another one of these islands. Cause there are wither pirates and we should keep an eye on them. It also help with, you know, admin stuff. And and, and you know, have had a put a and have a place to put to put, you know what the lifeboat people. An inquiry at the local bread house finds you a man who offers to transport you to Palmore on a small but sturdy boat. The middle-aged, hard, hard, haggard-looking man tells you that the passage to the island will be 25 gold. Well, what's it to be? He asks pointedly. 25 gold is a real bargain for going near that cursed place. Alright, I it is it is a bargain. It is a bargain. But I'm gonna seek another way just to see what they are. You decide not to take up the mammoth's offer and instead look for another way. To several more inquiries about the village. You're dismayed to find no one else willing to make the relatively short trip to the island. You realise you only have the hope of reaching the island, other than returning, and agreeing to pay the man 25 gold for the passage is to somehow acquire your own boat. So I could buy a boat, or I could steal a boat, or I could just have him sail me there. You know what? I'm going to buy a boat! Your search for a boat turns up a man in town who offers to stow you his sturdy craft for only ten gold. She'll do well for you, he says, looking you over carefully. So just ten gold and I get a boat. But of course, I have to sell it. I have to work myself then. And I'm not familiar with these waters. Or I could attempt to steal a boat. Just to see what happens if I do that. Many boats lie tied to the village pier, and after realising no one is watching them, you make an attempt to steal one. Right, pick your number. Alright, bonus of 86. 10 from luck, 20 from mind, 20 from agility, and 36 from thievery. Pick now! 99. You succeeded with 69, 16 experience to thievery. With little difficulty, you're on time on the sturdier quest from the end of the pier, and are soon on your way across the mist-laden, turbid waters of the Withertind. Right. You pilot the small but sturdy boat out across the misty, dark waters of the Withertwind. Without too much difficulty, you manage to find your way into the rapidly flowing channels that run between the step islands, as the shadowy spectre of Palemore Island looms into view, Ahead to the east, 
You salute the scarf, for the boat is stuck in a strong current, and being dragged swiftly towards a sharp outcrop of rock, rising out of the water next to a smaller neighbouring island. Gripping the oars tightly, you struggle to take the small craft off of its deadly collision course, picking a number. Bonus of 74. 20 from might, 18 from body, and 36 from seamanship. One of the few times that is actually used. Pick now. 163, with only seconds to spare. Probably quite a lot of seconds. You manage to navigate your small craft out of the current's perilous grip and cut across the channel towards the shadowy shores of Baylmore Island. As the dark silhouettes of trees and rocks loom out of the fog that hangs low in the water, you'll catch your first haunting glimpse of the Forsaken Island. You bring your boat ashore at a rocky, low beach straddled between two sections of dense forest that covers much of the island, and hide it behind a group of boulders before turning about to get a full view of your surroundings. You stand... You stand on a rocky, low-lying sliver of the, sliver of the so- servant shore of Paramore Island. Tall, dark trees rise on the eastern and western flanks of this stretch of thin stretch of stony ground, while to the north, a steep, largely barren hillside dominates the landscape. The hill rises out of sight to a ceiling of mist that hangs low over the island. Based on your Nigeria Island, you know that it is upon the summit of the keep that the wooden keep once stood. And presumably, if I was awaiting a rendezvous, I would put myself in the keep. Because that would be the most defensible location. And also, I'm a necromancer. And there will be so many skeletons there to use for necromancy but actually I'm going to quit without saving just to see what happens if you get sailed there I'm pretty sure it's the same with if you buy the boat or steal the boat it's going to be the same checks but it'll probably be slightly different if you ask to be sailed there so I'm just going to quit now back to Sir Crokington alright oh I'm in Talonus that's no good Three seconds later, I'm in Twithick. It's a lot longer for Sir Crokington. Ventures for this location. Palemore. We've all had this before. Doo-ba-doo-ba-doo-ba-doo. One gold spent. It's Palemore. Decide to keep it with you. Keep the skull. Paying 25 gold for passage to the island. The man in the bread house accepts your fare of 25 gold and agrees to take you to the island at once. He leads you down to the pier and shows you to his boat. When when the two of you are seated safely, he unties the small craft and begins the somewhat daunting task of rowing the small craft across the swiftly flowing wither towards the scattering of islands at its centre. A thin blanket of mist hangs low over the dark surface of the wither, making it difficult to see more than a few yards in any direction. Despite the adverse conditions, the man appears to be a highly skilled boatsman and has little difficulty navigating the craft through the treacherous waters. So, it's safer to do it this way. 
because he passes the check for you. After nearly ten minutes of constant whirrings, the man's roars suddenly stop moving. Wait, ooh, something has happened. Picking a number, bonus of 67. 20 from Aura, 10 from Luck, 18 from Feathery, 19 from Woodmanship. Hmm, something has happened. Pick now. 100, 142. Suddenly, out of the corner of your eye, you spot a glint of metal in the man's hand. You instinctively assume a defensive stance, only a split second before the man lunges at you with a long-bladed knife. Well, God, I knew I should have paid him. Yes, hmm. Oh, I shouldn't have paid him all in advance. Yes. Yes, now he's, now, now he's already paid, he's no reason not to kill him. He twists to the side, narrowly dodging his attack and counter with a solid bow, solid blow that sends him toppling overboard into the dark, frigid water. Your assailant, rendered unconscious by the force of your blow, sinks slowly out of sight beneath the turgid surface of the river. Well, well that... That didn't go as well as I thought it would. Do you believe the man was simply attempting to rob you once you were at his mercy out in the water? You can't help but wonder if the surprise attack is somehow connected with the dark business that brought you here. With with those thoughts churning in your mind, you set to the task of piloting the small craft to pay more island yourself. You pilot the small but sturdy boat out across the misty dark waters with a twind. Without too much difficulty, you manage to find your way into the rapidly flowing channels that run between the steppe islands. As the shadowy spectre of Paramore Island looms into view ahead to the east, you suddenly discover the boat is stuck, stuck in a strong current and being dragged swiftly towards a sharp outcrop of rock. Rising out of the water next to the smaller neighbouring island, Gripping the oars tightly, you struggle to take the small craft off the deadly collision course. It's the exact same check as before. Because apparently he didn't get me, he didn't even get me past this. And then he tried to rob me. Duh. He's drowned now. Pick now. 78 success. Despite your valiant attempt to maintain control. The small boat crashes into an outcrop of rock and flips over, casting you into the dark, frigid waters of Wither Twind. As the damaged wooden craft sinks slowly out of sight beneath you, you struggle to swim across the rapidly flowing channel towards the distant, mist-shrouded shores of Pale Moor. Your strength and endurance are put to the test as you desperately swim through the turgid waters from the shore of Pale Moor Island, picking a number. Bonus of 105! 20 from might, 10 from agility, 18 from body, 20 from, 20 from spirit, 19 from woodmanship and 18 from seamanship. I think I'm going to make it. Pick now. 179, in a remarkable display of strength and endurance, and remembering that I'm a toad and thus I'm good at water, 
you manage to swim across the turgid waters of the swiftly flowing channel and reach the shore of the island. As the dark silhouettes of trees and rocks loom out of the fog that hang low over the river, you catch your first haunting glimpse of a forsaken island. You step ashore at the rocky low beach strangled between two sections of dense forest that covers much of the island. Take a few moments to catch your breath and you turn about to get a full view of your new surroundings. Okay, this was the same as previously. Okay, since this isn't the proper one, what was it? I'm going to examine the area closely first. You scour the immediate area and discover a mix of footprints in the soft earth beneath the rocks. Many of the prints appear to have been made by three separate pairs of boots. You also discern, based on the, the depth and clarity of the tracks, they're no more than a day old. Right. Three pairs of boots. Okay, so one of these is going to be the Wavenhead Sorceress. I would say skeletons, but skeletons usually don't wear boots. Because it because when you're a skeleton, it really doesn't matter if you step on something. Because it can't hurt you anymore. Nothing can hurt you anymore. Because there's no you left to hurt. Your citizen based on death and clarity, they're no more than that day old. Okay, um, since this is the quick one, I'm just doing it to see what happens if you actually give away the skull. Just to see. So I'm just going to climb the slope to the north. You Normally, I'll explore the forests to the east and west and get fabulous rewards. But those will be for later. Climb the slope to the north. You make, you make your way up the steep slope, taking care not to slip on the loose, uneven ground underfoot. You covered less than 50 yards when suddenly a ghastly chorus of horns winds out from above. In between the near deafening blast of horns, you could hear human voices raising an alarm. Hmm. I guess it's those three boot wearers. Without warning, the eerie echoing twang of bowstrings fills the air as a volley of glowing ghostly arrows takes flight arcing high into the air before raining down directly upon you so I can dodge or use fortification fortification it is succeeded you call upon your power of fortification and almost at once a shimmering curtain of silver sparkles appears before you the volley of ghostly arrows strikes your magical barrier and vanishes. With the eerie blast of the horns still ringing in your ears, you wisely retreat to the base of the hill. Okay, uh, let's climb the slope to the north. Ah. Okay, I can't... I cannot go up there yet. Explore the forest to the west. Less than 50 yards inside the edge of the trees, you come upon a startling scene. Leaning in prayer next to a large rock, his, his chain-clad head resting against his clapped hands as they grip the grey pommel of his sword, 
as the glowing apparition of the night. The ghost turns and faces you for a moment as you approach, but quickly, but quickly tur- returns to resting his hand, head against his hands. You attempt to speak with the knight, but gain no response. What if I used the power of necromancy? It succeeded, but it didn't actually do anything. Head back the way you came. Okay, okay, looks like I've got to do stuff down here. Explore the forest to the east. You've wandered only a few dozen yards into the forest, where the shadowy wood springs eerily to life. All around you, in the dark, fog-shrouded forest, a gruesome, spectral battle scene is taking place. The shouts of long-dead knights echo through the trees as the ghostly defenders launch a valiant counter-attack against the warring ogre league that continues to torment them, even in death. Okay, I'm guessing these these defenders, forced to fight fight the same battle for 300 years, are the ones that are shooting at me. Which is why the arrows are ghostly, because they're the ghosts of arrows. But they can still kill you. Because a chorus of horns wing out a lonely call to arms as the ghosts of the night attempt a last desperate rally. Oh, if only it was the last. It's been the last rally for 300 years. You watch, morbidly fascinated by the ghastly reenactment of the savage fight that took place here over 300 years ago. Uh, and, and no one thought to, you know, clear this place out? Yes, 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 yes. I guess they just... Nope, it's too spooky, and they just left it be. Ah, we need that. Well, time for me to fix it. Alerted by a savage snarl, you turn to your right and find yourself confronted by the bellowing spirits of one of the ogre slain beneath these very trees over 300 years ago. The hideous apparition, its glowing torso widowed, widowed with deep festering wounds, roars with rage as it savagely assails its a black-armoured ogre ghost. The ghost of the ogre wars as it savagely attacks you and is slain. 13 XP. The ghost of the ogre stretches wide its gaping wall jaws as if to unleash a death bellow. But, but the apparition rapidly fades from view before any such sound can materialise. All around you in the dark, fog-shrouded forest, a gruesome spectral battle scene is taking place. The shouts of long-dead knights echo through the trees as the ghostly defel- defenders launch a valiant counter-attack against a warring ogre legion that continues to torment them. Even in death. Look, look. How about you people, you know, just stop. You know, have a cup of tea. Talk it out. Chorus of horns wing out. A lonely call to arms. As the ghosts of the knights attempt a last desperate valley. You watch... Oh, okay, I think we watch... You watch morbidly fascinated by the ghastly reenactment of the savage... The savage fight that took place over 300 years ago. At this point, you've encountered and defeated one of the ogre ghosts. Okay, remain in the forest. Okay, here's an axe-wielding ogre ghost. 
was it savagely assails you and it is slain. Alright, and it dies like the first one. Club wielding ogre, so I'm just going to quick combat these. Three gone. Chain clad ogre ghost, quick combat, 13 XP. For the ghost. Suddenly, a glutteral, glutteral snarl sends a shiver the length of your spine as you turn to find yourself confronted by a truly fearsome sight. Stomping towards you, its festering corpse whippled, windled with, with wiggling vermin is a headless ogre. The foul creature bellows with rage as it steps into melee range and attacks as a headless ogre. Well, let's make it everything else-less too. The ogre bellows with rage as it savagely attacks you, deals you a savage blow for 15 damage. And is slain. 134 experience. Which is very nice. With the twisted remains of your foe lying at your feet, you pause to catch your breath following the brutal contest. Alright. Well, that's five defeated. Hmm. Hmm, it looks like there's more special combats now. Right, remain in the forest. Club wielding ogre ghost. Quick combat. 13 XP. Remain in the forest. Spear wielding ogre ghost. Quick combat. So on. Another one. Black armored ogre ghost. These are just the regular ghosts. Club wielding ogre ghost. Okay. A massive watting ogre. Okay. This is a new one. Guttural snarl sends the length of your sends a shiver the length of your spine and turn to find yourself confronted by a truly fearsome sight. Stomping towards you, his festering corpse whittled with wriggling vermin is a massive rotting ogre. The foul creature bellows with rage as it steps into melee range and attacks. Massive rotting ogre. The ogre bellows with rage as it savagely attacks you. Savage blow 15 damage. Alright, let's keep going, keep going. It is slain. Another 134 experience. Just going to edit that into the wiki. With the twisted remains of your foe lying at your feet. You pause, pause to catch your breath following the brutal contest. What's well, 10 down, keep going. Thanks, Wooding Yoga Ghost, quick combat that, 13 XP. Then Chain Clad Ogre Ghost, quick combat, 13 XP. Thanks, Wooding Yoga Ghost, quick combat, 13 XP. Spear Wielding, 13 XP, quick combat. So, suddenly. A glossal snarl sends a shiver the length of your spine, and you find yourself confronted by a truly fearsome sight. Stomping towards you, its festering corpse widdled with, with wiggling vermin is a one-armed watting ogre. The foul creature bellows with rage as it steps into melee range and attacks. It's a one-armed watting ogre. Quick combat that. No, I'll fight it manually, actually. 
bellows with rage as it savagely attacks you. With something, I guess. Doesn't really explain with what. Anyway, it is slain. 134 experience. Edit that. No, I can't. With the trusted remains of, the, of your foe lying at your feet, you pause to catch your breath following the brutal contest. Alright, that's 15 down. Keep going. Chain clad over ghost. Quick combat that. Remain in the forest. Club wielding ogre ghost. Quick combat. I guess I wield Tiara's staff against these. Yeah, Tiara's staff hopes against these. Because they're undead. Club wielding ogre ghost. That makes it 19. Here comes a special one. Suddenly, a glacial snarl sends a shiver the length of your spine. And you turn to find yourself confronted by a truly fearsome sight. Stomping towards you. Its festering course, riddled, riddled with wiggling vermin, is a decaying Kate ogre. The foul creature bellows with rage as it steps into melee range and attacks. Begin combat. Alright. Ogre bellows with rage as it savagely attacks you. And is slain. 134 XP. Twisted remains of your foe lying at your feet. You pause to catch your breath following the brutal contest. Alright, it's 20. 20 ogres left. Defeated. Axe wielding ogre ghost. Quick combat that. 13 XP. Black armored ogre ghost. Quick combat that. Another 13 XP. Chain clad. Quick combat. 13 XP. Chain clad again, quick combat, 13 XP. Here comes a special one. Suddenly, a glacial snarl sends a length of your sends a shiver the length of your spine. You turn to find yourself confronted by a truly fearsome sight. Stomping towards you, his festering corpse whittled, whittled with wiggling vermin. He's a watting ogre lord. The foul creature bellows with rage as it steps into melee range and attacks. So, Watting Ogre Lord begin combat. Bellows with rage as it savagely attacks you. And is now slain. 135 experience. Guess it's slightly tougher than the previous ones. With the twisted remains of your foe lying at your feet. You pause to catch your breath following the brutal contest. Alright, let's remain some more. Spear wielding ogre ghost. Quick combat that. And then chain clad. Also quick combat. Spear wielding. Quick combat. Black armoured. Quick combat. Here comes a special one. A suddenly. Cluster or snarl sends a shift in the length of your spine, and you turn to find yourself confronted by a truly fearsome sight. Stomping towards you, festering corpse riddled with wiggling vermin, which is a three armed ogre corpse. The foul creature bellows with rage as it steps into melee range and attacks. Three armed ogre corpse begin combat. 
bellows with rage as it savagely attacks me. Presumably with all three arms at once. Enemy deals you a savage blow for nine damage. I keep stabbing and stabbing and stabbing. It's got a lot of health. And it is slain. 136 experience. The twisted remains of your foe lie at your feet. You pause to catch your breath following the brutal contest. You suddenly spot a small, strange object lying next to the corpse of the free-armed ogre. A closer, a closer inspection reveals it to be a crudely carved wooden figure. Not sure, not quite sure why, you decide to pick up the curious object and take it with you. Guess I'll be using that shortly. This small, crudely carved wooden figure is something you found on the forest on the eastern side of Palemore Isle. With your victory, the battle appears to at last be at an end. Shouts of the knights and the walls of the ogres fail to silence as the ghostly combatants rapidly fade from view and an eerie stillness settles over the forest. Suddenly, you become aware of something moving through your trees to your right. You turn to find three glowing apparitions swiftly approaching. Or what could they be? The mix of amazement and fear you watch as the three ghostly figures approach. When they were within 20 yards, you recognise their attire as that of Tyson Knights. The ghosts of the knights continue towards you and stop within just a few feet. Each of the knights bows and thanks you. You have... Save big money when you start your next project today at Menards. Convert your current recessed lighting with energy-saving LED downlights from Fight Electric. They're bright and install easily in just minutes. They also go from regular lighting to nightlight mode with just a simple flip of a switch. Save big on all Fight lighting products now at Menards. Shop our lighting options today in-store and on Menards.com. Save big money at you have given us freedom, says one of the knights. His hand tapped, wrapped tightly round the half of his war axe. The battle that has waged incessantly since that fateful light long ago is at an end. Now may the dead on both sides at last have peace. Oh, if only they'd sent someone sooner. We could have sorted this out centuries ago. The dark day may now close, says another of the knights. Let the curse on this ground be lifted. Thank you, friend, says the wielding knight as he steps forward and reaches out his mailed hand to touch your head. Alright, yeah, steps. And down. Okay. A surge. A surge of energy. Washes through your body as the knight's ghostly mailed hands comes to rest on the top of your head. Okay, 512 experience to, to weaponry. 512 experience to pole arms. Okay, I think it's this and then to stabbing. Okay, weaponry lances wouldn't be there. Because weaponry lances wasn't in the game when this adventure was put out. Although, no doubt, if the knight had known about that, 
he probably would have taught you some of that too. And 512 experience to woodmanship. So, I think to get the best experience out of this, it would be better for me to learn all the weaponry sub-skills I can first. So amongst them, I have to, let's see, I have to use, learn slashing. Lose slashing, hacking, bashing. All the, all the ones you can learn at, at Chorfra's Yard in Talonus. Probably also learn weaponry staves. Yeah, and good. I already have wood, wood horsemanship, so. The axe wielding knight bows and steps back, yes. Okay. When I do this for wheel, I'm going to learn more of my weaponry sub skills. Because I might as well get this experience if it's so easy to get. The sword wielding knight steps forward and lays his mailed hand on your shoulder and a bit more of me as well. A warm sensation runs through your body as your wounds are healed. Yep, fully healed. The knight bows and steps back. The unarmed knight steps forward and waves his hand over you. 512 experience to general. He bows and steps back. Great evil still exists on this island, says the axe-wielding knight. The spot where the old fort stood is the mark of a dark sorceress. She holds, oh, she holds sway over the dead of this place. Though you should know, we would never answer her call. You thank the three knights for her help and the information, and they bow deeply before you. It is we who owe you a debt that can never be fully fully be paid, so they are right. But we can wish you luck on whatever affair has see, seen fit to land you here. May the old father guide and protect you, friend. It is to, it's to his horse we may at last depart. Thank you. Without another word, the ghosts of the th three knights guide off into the forest and are soon lost from sight. Farewell. And we're sorry we left you for so long. Okay, this now I can explore the forest to the west. Yeah, might as well. Standing less okay, here's the knight, he's kneeling. Okay, I can use that I well I just got an item, so crude wooden figure. This small, crudely carved wooden figure is something you found in the forest on the eastern side of Paramore Island, as you just heard. Alright, 32 experience to general. That's always a good sign. You pass, you hand the crude wooden figure to the knight. He immediately rises and reaches out to take the curious object. As his ghostly fingers close around the fig figure, a broad smile creases his age-worn face. Alright, you know, it's gone. The knight bows deeply. My Illyria made this for me, he says. I've been away from her for so long. So long now. Will she remember me? Will she remember me now? Thank you, friend. As the apparition of the knight slowly fades, you are surprised to find a wotted leather bag at your feet. 
Much to your surprise, the small pouch contains a small quantity of adventure tokens. That's eight of them. Yes. Hmm. So it turns out, you know what? I always thought that the fighting these ogre ghosts was optional. Because I literally never tried to climb the hill first. But it turns out it's not. So it's not 884 finishing the ogres. It's 884 going west a bit. And handing over the item you just got. So it's 8 very easy 80. You wait for several minutes. In case the ghost of the night should reappear. But when it becomes apparent that he's now forever departed, you make your way back to the east and step out of the forest. Farewell, farewell. You explore the trees on the western half of the island, but find nothing worthy of attention. As you make your way to the east, you're all but certain you can hear the faint ghostly laughter of a small child. Ah, must have been the one that made the doll. Oh, mm. Mm, probably. Oh, probably many years alone. Well, without a dad. But, presumably, there were probably other people to fill in, but still, still sad. But now they're united. Alright, climb the slope to the north. You make your way up the steep slope, taking care not to lose your footing on the loose, uneven ground. You cut less than a hundred yards when you spot a spare pair of skeletons making their way across the hillside towards you. You turn to face the approaching undead, quickly assuming a defensive stance. The skeletons halt, and, and each of the horrid creatures thrusts out his right hand in your direction. You watch in horror as two large spears of flame hurtle forth from the clawed tips of their fleshless fingers. Alright, got some options. Dodge, fortification, telekinesis or elementalism obviously. Succeeded. 16 XP to elementalism. You channel your power of elementalism and focus it on the flaming spears now hurtling straight for you. Your effort pales off. As the spears both shrink to small, smouldering cinders, cinders that land harmlessly on the ground at your feet. You boldly step forward and engage the two skeletons. The hideous, fleshless creatures hiss angrily as their clawed hands burst into flame. Two fire-wielding skeletons. Well, you're not going to wield it for much longer. I swap them with your staff. The skeleton strikes at you with their clawed, flaming hands. Alright, and a slain. 5 XP. The two skeletons crumble into piles of bone at your feet. You step over their charred remains and prepare to continue up the hill. I suspect there may well be more skeletons. About halfway up the hill, you come across a narrow, largely overgrown stone track that leads up to the stomach taking great care not to stumble on an even path. You follow it as it winds its way to the top of the hill. As you follow the... As you follow the path to the top of the hill, you cautiously make your way to the summit, 
The broad, flat expanse atop the hill is deserted, save for a wide triangle of head-sized stones that dominates its centre. An eerie feeling comes over you as you recognise the stone layout to be one used by necromancers, presumably as a final ritual to just raise everything here. Now, it will probably be dozens of, un- of dead. And that's just the ones in the battle. Presumably, there'll be others as well. That they won't be, you know, warriors, so. Not so big a deal. Alright, what does divination say, anyway? Failed. You're unable to discern anything further regarding the Triangle of Stones. Well, approach the Triangle of Stones anyway, then. You step forward. As you near, near, near the first of the stones, the ground within the triangle tremble, then suddenly bursts open as dozens of clawed hands tear up through the earth. An entire legion of undead rises out of the broken ground within the tangled Triangle of Stones. The haunting stare of every last one of the undead is fixed on you. The ghoulish legion suddenly parts. As a thin, raven-haired woman in a black tunic and studied breeches. Steps, steps. Sorry, 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 sorry. Steps swiftly through their wanks. The woman clutches a tall, ornate iron staff. You immediately recognise her to the necromancer you encountered in Blade Square, the very person who set up this perilous rendezvous on Paramore Island. You immediately, immediately profoundly struck by the woman's captivating beauty, and left wondering if you're seemingly out of place observation. It's not the result of some trick of sorcery she's ro- woven in, attempt to get you to lower your defences. With this in mind, you assume a guarded posture as you prepare to come face to face with the woman who so far been your only enemy in this entire infernal, I guess so. Yes, I guess she has. I mean, yeah, we got those ogres, but I mean, I fought them, but they weren't enemies. And a spike fist, well, he was against me, but it's nothing personal. Good of you to come, she says coyly. I'm so sorry to think you couldn't find your way here. You demand, you angrily demand an end to the business regarding the Iron Skull. And tell the necromancer you wish to settle it here and now. Much to, much your surprise, she smiles and nods. There's no need for such bitter words, she says. I haven't asked you here to kill you. Had I reason to, that I could have easily done in Twithick, or might have been brought up to now. In fact, you do not know how close you came to joining my many followers. But that is not important at the moment. You are here. And, and now we might, as you can say, end this business. You asked the Wavened Sources what is she is proposing, and again she smiles. I will come to that, she says, retaining her friendly tone. But first, you must allow me a chance to clear up a few things. Foremost among them is something I think you might wish to know 
about your dear friend Huel. You know nothing of the Iron Skull. She says contemptuously, as you, as you, as her eyes study you closely. It's a potent device with power over the dead. It's no use to anyone but the few who know how to unlock its secrets. In the hands of a bumbling dotard like you, one, it is no better than a mantle ornament, but also no worse. But it's probably the, the best that you could hope for with something like this. The necromancer steps to the left and tightens her grip on the iron shaft. You do not know what it's like to be hunted, she says, her tone softening somewhat. Hunted every waking hour, in darkness and in light, but not by the living. My course is my own, chosen long ago. And while I've regretted it many times since, there's no turning back. There. There's no swift exit. The day fast approaches when my own powers will no longer be sufficient to turn back the tide of horror that stalks my every step. I need the power of the skull. Skull like Huron has cruelly denied me for so long. While you sense there is perhaps a grain of truth to her, her words, you remain uncertain as to her intentions. What do you really know about Huon, she asked coyly. A master mage? Without question, but with so many enemies. Enemies from up home and at, from at home and abroad, mind you. Even Wasar is no haven for him these days. What makes him so despised that his enemies would put out his eyes? Perhaps it is the many unexplained disappearance of his rivals? Or the sudden deaths of wise and casters who still claim prime of life, trust me, when I tell you that his thrust first for power and glory knows no bounds, never has. Do not think for a moment that once you serve your purpose to him you are safe. He most certainly sees you as he sees the others. As he sees me as a rival to his own power. You've come I've not come here to warn you about Huon, she says flatly. You're dealing with him on your own. I've come to require what is rightfully mine, and I'm willing to offer you a trade. This iron staff in my hands for the skull is a weapon beyond your meagre worth, so I suggest you not like it, like a fool and accept what is a most generous offer. It's the Talsaloth. It is. It is the power, the Talslath, has the power of a swarm of bats. It is five miller waiting. This is the legendary Talsalof, known in many tales as the Staff of Bats. This remarkable, ornate iron staff was once the property of the free-headed demon Lord Jalof. Many indeed are the spined chilling stories that surround this magical weapon. The potency of this weapon increases as your level of mastery in the art of necromancy rises. It is obviously a magical weapon.
The Necromancer. The Necromancer senses your hesitation and scowls. I ask you again, do not play the part of a fool, she growls. Though you realise it's not likely you can trust the Necromancer, you're also not certain if it would be wise to engage her. Okay, I'm going to click the first, the three options are, agree to trade the skull for the staff, refuse the offer, and demand she give you the last skull fragment. That's going to lead to a fight, and attack her, which is a fight. Alright, alright, I'm going to do it. I'm going to trade the skull for the staff. But, this is not how it will really go. This is just to see what happens. Very well, she says, as a smile melts off her face and replaced by a sinister steel. But I rather fancy this staff. And I shouldn't wish for it to be sullied in hands such as yours. I'd rather just take what I want. Before you can react to her sudden change of demeanour, two pairs of strong, rotting arms lock around your chest, neck from behind. The necromancer thrusts out her hand and the pieces of the iron skull rise out of your belongings and soar through the air towards her waiting gasp. That was simple enough, she says grinning. Now, I leave you to your demise. The words have barely left her lips when you break the gasp of your unseen foes and turn to find yourself face to face with a pair of hideous ghouls. The flames erupt from the decaying flesh of these undead creatures as they stagger forward, swiping at you with their clawed hands. This is two burning ghouls. Alright, and this is this is a way to do it that is... I don't know if anyone's ever actually done it. Presumably someone has, but it's never been recorded on the wiki. Two... Burning ghouls begin combat. Swing your staff. The burning ghouls strike at you with their rotting, flaming limbs. And they are slain. 5 XP. The pair of burning ghouls collapse your defeat. You step over their smouldering corpses and prepare to engage the necromancer. Well, we t I try to be civilised about this. I try to settle this nicely. You could have just traded the staff, and you'd have got the skull, and your life. But no, you got greedy. You got greedy, and now you're going to lose everything. Starting with your life. But admittedly, you are a necromancer, but you can, so you'll probably end up getting that back at some point. You know, as, you know way you probably wouldn't like, but still. The necromancer scowls and closes her eye. A split second later, her eyes fly open as a low, ominous hum fills the air. A swirling black portal suddenly opens a few yards in front of the necromancer without, de without delay. Without delay, the waven-haired sorceress rushes towards the Neville Gate. You realise unless you can stop her, she's about to escape with all three pieces of the Iron Skull. 
can't be having that. So I've got a lot of options now. I could use archery, gating, telekinesis, illusion. If I had shadow magic, I could use that. And of course, necromancy. Or I could just charge. Ooh, necromancy. Just gonna wonder how this goes. Succeeded. 32 experienced the necromancy. Calling upon your power of ne necromancy. You related to when, in answer to your summons, the ghosts of two knights suddenly appeared before the swirling Neverwall Gate, blocking the necromancer's path. Ah, uh, I guess they're paying back. Thank you. The waven-haired sorceress cries out in alarm at the sudden arrival of the apparition, and uses her own dark powers to turn them. Distraction, however, has brought you precious time. Before the necromancer takes taken even another step, you're upon her, prepared to do whatever it takes to prevent her escape. Swiftly and silently, the portal closes. The sorceress's face twists into a hideous scowl. She leaps back from you. She stretches out her hands towards you, revealing a thin, black aura, and animating from the tips of her thin fingers. Without a word, she lunges at you. You sidestep the first of the necromancer's swift attacks as she strikes out at you with her hands, attempting to touch you with her fingers, from the tips of which animates a faint, faint black aura. It's plain to, plain to you she is a masterful on our combatant. You steal yourself for the prospect of a long and brutal fight to the finish. She moved to counter her rapid attacks as a master necromancer begin combat. Necromancer rumbles something reaches out for you. The touch of your enemy sends a deathly chill the length of your body for 18 damage and then again for 21 damage. Alright keep going keep going. Deathly chill for 18 damage and then for 25 damage but slain. 38 XP. The necromancer cries out in agony as she slumps to the ground at your feet. With, with a final, ragged breath, she looks up and transfixes you with a stare, ablaze with hatred, before pitching forward onto her face and expiring. Well, this is all on you. You possibly... I was willing to just make the trade. But apparently... You wouldn't let it be. You had your life waving right in front of you. You could have took it, but you didn't. So it's all on you now. You make a quick search of her body, and much to her elation, you discover all the pieces of the iron skull tucked into a pouch sewn into the inside of her tunic. After examining the fragments for a moment, you can... You case them safely amongst, in amongst your other belongings. Alright, two thirds of the, uh, the skull and the other third. This is, this is a jaggy fragment of a human sized iron skull. The valuable artifact that was stolen from the archmage Huon by the Archine spy Finfoot. This is the shard you acquired from the Necromancer on Palemore Island. 
On the ground, only a couple of feet from the body of the slain sorceress, you spot a tall iron staff. Realising the potential value and importance of the item, you pick it up and decide to take it with you. It's the Taos off. Alright, wait a minute. Should this minnow rating have increased? Maybe I have to actually equip it for it to have that effect. Alright, what happens if I equip it? Ah, oh, okay, yeah, okay, with my current net. With my current 70 necromancy, it's got 12 melee waiting. There are, there are plenty of ways to boost that. Tiara's staff. We equip the ice shield. Certainly you have overlooked anything. You prepare to set off on your way. You step back from the body of the necromancer and turn around, preparing to make your way off the hill only to find yourself confronted by a massive legion of undead marching to the summit. A swarm of skeletons, ghouls, staggering corpses, ragged waves and ghastly phantasms appear over the crest of the hill and move steadily towards you. With your pulse racing, you hold your super defensive stance, though you cannot fathom how you hope to survive or even escape from. The overwhelming number of ghoulish foes now closing in. Last possible moment, as the first of the undead legion stack his past without even turning to face you, you realise, with astonished relief, it is not you they seek. The horde of the undead move past you on all sides, and halt around the body of the necromancer. Four skeletons, two on each side, scoop down and take hold of the corpse, then... In unison, the fleshless creatures wise and stride off to the far side of the summit, effortlessly bearing the body of the slain sorceress. The remainder of the nightmarish legion follows in total silence at their heels. This is quite possibly a vision of my future, now that I've risen necromancy to level 70. No doubt, when I fall... Undead will take me. You watch in a mix of fascination and horror as the undead possession proceeds over the edge of the hill. When the last of them have disappeared, you make your make you waste no time making your way down the opposite side. As you descend the steep slope headed for the edge of the island and the spot where you first stepped ashore. You spot several groups of undead, both fleshless and rotting, staggering towards the summit. The foul beings are several dozen yards away on either side, but never once do they seem to acknowledge your presence as they proceed with the arduous climb. You're left to believe these wizened souls. Souls are following after the large group of undead that left the hill, bearing the body of the slain necromancer. Eager to put the ghoulish scene out of mind, you hurry down the hillside and soon find yourself at the edge of the rocky patch of ground where you first arrived on the island. Suddenly, the sound of voices reaches your ears. You creep forward, crouch down at the base of the tree and peer out in the direction of the sound. Moments later, a wide, sturdy boat floats into view 
and three tall, tall figures step out from it and pull it onto the stony shore. The tallest of the three takes several steps in your direction and casts off the thick hood covering his head. Your heart nearly skips a beat as you immediately recognise the bald, white-bearded man. It's Huan! Yay! You step out into the open and hail the master wizard with a friendly greeting. The wizened mane smiles in response and steps forward, meeting you in a shoulder cross. Well, our search has proved a great success, he calls to his two guardsmen who are still tending to the boat. We may be off this cursed island before we had hoped, Huon tells you, somewhat apologetically, that several of his agents trailed you in Twithic. And they have tracked you to Boar Cove and ultimately to Pal- Palmore Island. Well, well, I knew you were following me. <laughs> I feared for your safety, not, not your loyalty, he says, apparently feeling obligated to explain his actions. When I learned you were headed to this, to this forsaken island, I knew only too well the danger that awaited you here. I was too late to be of any real hope to you, it seems. Though I dare say I sense a certain triumphant spirit in you. As you stand staring at Huon, you are minded of all the necromancer told you about him. Looking at the kindly old mage, you find it difficult to believe. He's the scheming, manipulative, even murderous figure that the sorceress betrayed him to be. You're somewhat surprised when Huon does not immediately inquire about the fate of the Iron Skull. St. Bidstead seems instead to wish to know all about your adventure on the island and your encounter with the waving-haired sorcerer. When you finish your brief but thorough narrative, he nods and commends you on your skill and bravery. There are few who'd wish to cross her, she says. And yet you have vanquished her. Vanquished her. Seems my trust in you is well placed. You are indeed worthy of your lofty reputation. Well done indeed. You ask Huon what he knows about the necromancer, and he sighs in response. I'm sorry to say she was once a pupil of mine, he says, his tone becoming grim. That, however, is a matter best left for another time. If we have seen seen the last of her, then this is indeed a victory, though. I will let the passing of time satisfy me on that point. Wasting no time, you retrieve the pieces of the Iron Skull and hand them to Huon. The Master Page appears dumbfounded when you pace the fragments of the Iron Skull into his hand. He gently runs his fingers over the contours of the skull and smiles. At last, you are safe, he mutters. You suspect, based on the sudden wetness that washes over his constant countenance, He's spoken aloud something that others were not meant to hear. With all parts of the Iron Skull now in his possession, Yuan takes a step back and turns away from you. A bright flash of red light suddenly envelops him, but fades as quickly as it appears. The white-bearded mage turns around and holds up the unified Iron Skull for you to see. Not a single blemish remains on the surface to indicate it was ever shattered. There. There's how I remember it, he says, grinning broadly. Now, very least I could do for you, my friends, is allow you to gaze into its eyes. 
that you see is where the true power of the skull is to be found. Um, is, is this a good idea? A, a divination? I could gaze, I could decline. What does divination say? Could have seen it. You sense a powerful or eight eight speed divination. You sense a powerful aura of evil, swear they are, Iron Skull. You also sense human does not mean you any harm. Okay, so if I were to pick up and use the skull repeatedly, I'd probably end up going bad. But I could probably survive one look without any bad bad side effects, I guess. Gaze into the eye sockets of the Iron Skull. Gaze into the eye sockets. And almost immediately an eerie, pulsing, crimson light pours into your skull. An intense, unpleasant sensation washes over you. And for a moment, the piercing red light animating from the eye sockets of the Iron Skull intensifies. A deep chill runs the length of your spine as the red light slowly begins to fade. What, eleven, seven thousand one hundred and sixty-eight experience to necromancy. Which is most of the way to the next level up. In a matter of moments, the glow from within the skull has died completely. And the strange sensation is elicited. That's not as past. Now you begin to understand, perhaps, the power of the skull. Says Huon, as he places the skull on a leather bag that hangs from his belt. It is an item best kept out of the hands of those who might misuse it. It shall remain safe with me from now on. That, I can assure you. Okay, okay, yeah. Now, if you ever want me to test out the securities, well, you can always ask. With the skull now safely in his possession, Huron tells his two guards, four of you are ready to leave the island. He turns around and faces direction of the hill, the steep hill at the centre of the island, and then heads for the boat. I do not need to see this place to know that this is where the dead roam, he says. It's third words setting a chill for you. There is still a great evil here, lurking, watching. It's time for us to go. Huron's guards turn out to be worthy boatsmen, and with little difficulty, the sturdy woven craft cuts through the dark, cold waters of River Twinned, and arrives on the far shore, dust up river of the village of Borcove. There, a small forest clearing, the mage and his two armed companions retrieve their horses, which they will use to return to Wysel. I had a spell of warding on them, says Huron, throwing to the three horses. I would only pity for the would-be thief who tried to make off with them. Or the hungry wolf who came sniffing about. You do not in the least doubt his words. Well, I suggest you put a few of those on the Iron Skull. And on the box the Iron Skull is in. And on the box that box is in. And on the box that that box is in. 
and on the womb that that box is in. <laughs> the four of you move north, following a narrow forest track, until the trees begin to thin out and the walls of Trithic loom into view. At the edge of the old forest, just outside of Trithic, you bid farewell to Huon. The blind master maid again thanks you for her help tells you you are welcome at his towering wildsaw at any time. Oh, would be nice to go there. Huron whaps his fingers around the reins of his horse and gently pats the animal's neck. I'm afraid my way back home lies, upon, upon, lies, upon, lies along roads less frequently travelled, he says, making reference to the rugged road on which he and his two armed companions are about to depart. Still, time is of little consequence to me, I should prefer to keep out of sight. May your days be filled with fortune, Sir Grokington. The bold, white-bearded wizard tosses you a cloth pouch and bows deeply before mounting his horse and urging the fine steed onto the road. The two guards ride up, ride up to assume their familiar position at his flank. He's surprised to discover the pouch contains a small quantity of adventure tokens. That's eight of them. With the final wave, Huon and his guards depart, riding, riding off at a casual pace along the rugged forest woes. When at last they're out of sight, you turn and make your way back towards the city. As you step back through the gates of Trithic, you wonder what was the real reason for Huon's desire to reclaim wonder what the real reason for Huron's desire to reclaim the Iron Skull was. Certain there is more to it. More to all of it than you have been told. And perhaps equally certain you are not likely to ever find out more about it. You resolve to push the matter from your mind. And set about getting yourself a good night's sleep. And, that's, and that gets me 1,024 experiences to general. And ends this quest... But, this wasn't how you we were supposed to do it, mechanically speaking. Because it turns out, I shouldn't have trusted that necromancer. Because I knew you shouldn't have trusted that necromancer. Because there is another way to play this with better rewards. And, uh, generally, I want to... I want to improve various things so I can get the most out of that quest. So I'm going to quit without saving right now. And so I guess the next time, next episode, we'll just fill in all the gaps of the things that I didn't previous that I didn't get in this one because I wanted to see what happened. But anyway. Until then, farewell, fellow adventurers.